Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and joining me today is Maria Sharapova, who you likely know as the five-time Grand Slam winner who retired from tennis in early 2020. But what you may not know is that Maria is now an active investor and ambitious entrepreneur, working as a business founder, luxury fashion brand board member, new mother, and more all at once. I wanted to ask Maria all about her beauty, wellness, and fashion ambitions, including how she's leveraging her obvious positioning as a tastemaker. Vogue just ran a story on what she wore to a fashion show. Welcome, Maria. Thank you so much for having me. And what a what a nice introduction to begin my day with. I appreciate it. <laughs> of course. Thanks for being here. Where are you today? I think you're usually based in Cali, yeah? I am. I'm in California. I was just in London for um, Montclair's uh, incredible show back in London. Um, so that was a, a two-day trip for me. And now I'm back home and, yeah, with my family. Oh, my gosh. Talk to me really quick before we jump in. Your Montclair London Fashion Week experience. What did you do there? How was the show? It was extraordinary. So Montclair, unlike other uh, luxury brands, they hold uh, an annual one mega show. Um, so they, they started this collaboration, an activation around collaborations with, with designers several years ago as part of their, their genius efforts. Um, and this collaboration has turned into experiences. So this year they had nine different collaborators create these spaces within, I believe it's the second largest um arena in uh, in London. So you can imagine 10 to 15,000 people in this one space um, walking through these incredibly interesting and innovative um, experiences all uh, held through the eyes of these uh, designers and entrepreneurs and and obviously with the vision of, of the brand coming through and, and such fun and unique clothing. Well, I read on Vogue that you were especially maybe excited to see Rick Owens' <laughs> um, work. Tell me about yes. your, your love for the designer. It, it's so funny. When I was young and um, I went to Paris one of the first few times and I went to the Palais Royal. And Rick Owens, um, I think at the time it was one of his only stores around the world. And it stood out so much, and obviously his, his aesthetic and his clothes stand out um, exceptionally, but that store was so special. And the clothes that he made, I know they were um, out there, but they were long, and because I was tall, I always had <laughs> trouble finding clothes in, in my size. And so every every time I go to Paris, I, I made a stop in the Rick Owens store. And when I was a teenager, I couldn't afford um, many of his pieces, so with, if I like won around at a tournament, I'd go back to the store and I'd... I'd <laughs> <laughs> I'd invest in a piece by him and I still have several of those and and they're they're timeless and and I, I love people that have um that have a vision that um allow you and give you the space to to make of it what what you want right that it's they're not forcing that opinion on you um they're giving you a creative aesthetic of your own and to make it personal and so yeah that that was a, a fun collaboration to see that they had with Montclair Definitely. I too am a Rick Owens fan. Tell me about how you came to be a Montclair board member. What does that entail? What do you do? For, <laughs> what do you do with them? That's a great brand to be in cahoots with. Yeah. So it's a combination of business of, you know, what, what you'd call the boring, but very important stuff as it relates to budgeting and forecasting and, you know, seeing uh, is the, the forecast meet revenue. Um, also seeing what 
the, the marketing department is up to from the activation perspective, from talent um, angles, how that all comes together um, and, and as a brand and, and product. So it's a really, it's a 360 view on the business um, as as close as you could possibly get to it. And, you know, so some of it are more like check marks. You know, you listen to some of the, um, for maybe the, the first hour just on the financials and, and you get reacquainted with with quarterly reviews. And, and then it goes into what's coming up, what worked in the past season, what's what's going to be ahead for the following year or two. So it's, it's, it's quite, a, I'd say, a corporate, um, but an incredibly unique experience. I'm on the board with, with people I get to learn so much from, and that's one of, um, one of the decisions I make going into these roles because they're, you, know, you have to commit your, your time for several, several times a year where you, you know, because the time difference in Milan and, and sometimes I can't be there in person, it, it means waking up at three in the morning and attending those board meetings over, over video, um, which is <laughs> not as fun as doing it in person. Um, but I get to learn so much, um, so much about growth and business and, and how to, how to build a brand and, and, and to have influence in that um, as someone that was part of brands, but more in the external aspect, being a face of or an ambassador. It's really nice to be behind the scenes and have imp- impact. Um, uh, yeah, I guess I'd say under the roof where, where you can see the your own personal experience from from being a professional athlete and traveling around the world and understanding brand and culture and and diversity and and having an impact on on a brand like a luxury house as, as Montclair is. Yeah, gosh, as a tennis star, um, I would think that you had a crash course on um, yeah brand marketing um, brand how brands work on the inside. Tell me about, I guess, did you always say, you know, when I step away, when I retire, I want to be an insider. I want to be driving a brand. This is what I learned. This is how I want to, I guess, put my stamp or um, do it better. I think subconsciously I did, but I was very focused on on my one craft and my one job. And I think that's, that's part of the reason I was able to swim in my own lane and be successful is is because I knew when I woke up, like my, my passion was to be a an athlete. I was gritty. That was all performance oriented, and I just I love to work hard and I love to compete. But I also, I slowly as I got older and perhaps I was you know in my early twenties, um, I started to realize that sport is not just about being an athlete. It's about having a platform and a voice and a you know I, I don't want to use the word brand because it's been um, overused, but you have the opportunity to, to lead. Um, and so that became extremely interesting, um, because you, you're able by being successful, you're able to align yourself. And and what I mean by successful is winning tennis matches. That was what, what allowed me to get experience away from the courts. Um, I think I just realized that sport was not just about being an athlete, but it was about a business and that you were an entertainer and people would come and pay um, to watch you play and to watch you perform and win or lose, you had to show up and do your job. So I think with time, um, I didn't recognize the the, the path, the exact path I wanted to take, but um, I was very particular about the, the brands I wanted to work with because my time was very limited. So yeah, I guess you could say I was, I was, picky, but I didn't really have a choice because my day job um, didn't allow me to um, to have so much else going on. 
Yeah. Well, you're a clear fashion lover. Like, were you able to, I'm sure there are limitations on what you can wear on the court. And I don't know if tennis has the same, you know, the locker room tunnel is the new runway. Like if you were able to like flaunt your stuff, but where did like, don't be modest, like where did this tastemaker reputation come from? And yeah, to what extent were you able to, I guess, indulge your fashion, fashion love? You're absolutely right. I, I treated um, the tunnel through to center court of Wimbledon or, or a night match at the U.S. Open as a runway. And not in that moment, but when we were working with Nike um, on, on the pieces that I would wear on court, that is the confidence that I wanted to have as I walked out onto the court. I wanted to know that every steam was in the right place, that the color was strong, that the fit was... You know, I, I wasn't someone that um, um, I'd say push the boundaries in terms of colors and patterns and being loud. Um, I was a minimalist and, and aesthetic on the court, but um, the Nike team always um, called the, on top of like my, um, the, the spreadsheets and, and all the, um, the layouts of my clothes so that they would write at the top an unforgettable minimalist. <laughs> so that's kind of carried, carried through um, my, my entire career on, on the on-court looks. And, and that's really the way that I, I approach fashion. I much prefer quality over quantity. Um, I much prefer beautiful tailoring um, to just buying fast fashion and um, wearing it for a few days. So there, there's something about keeping a piece for life. And that's just, it's kind of how I see, um, my the, the way that I live um, from from the pieces I wear to the people I work with um, to the things I live with at home. Yeah, for sure. Well, you, I'm sure. I mean, high demand. I'm sure brands are coming to you a lot. You've got a great following. You've got a great reputation. Um, what I guess you've done collaborations with Nike, who you mentioned. Um, what determines? It? what brands like you're willing to work with. I mean, they'll fit your aesthetic. Maybe they fit your, um, have classic, have for life approach. What else? Um, I love investing and being surrounded by people. I would love to see at a dinner table at my house. Um, I want to work with brands, of which I'm a consumer of myself. Like I want to be able to live with them, to work with them, to um, use them. And if I, you know, if I go through the, the brands that I, you know, continue to invest in and be an ambassador of from, um, from Evian, from you know, Bala to Tonal and Therabody, um, it, they're all rooted in a strong foundation, which I think is is the core of a, a successful brand. What because you can always have ups and downs, right? Certain businesses during COVID excelled because they were right for that moment, right? Such as the health, the health and wellness category and fitness. But if the product and if the people are strong, um, no matter what waves, ups and downs they face, um, they're they're going to survive, whether it's in a year or or five, ten years. That sometimes that's what it takes. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. A couple of years ago, I met the founders of a, of a shoe brand called Wolf and Shepherd, a um, wife and husband duo. Um, you know, they started a brand. It was a men's shoes, a sporty sole with a Italian leather upper, um, very very dressy. And we, we we started conversations, and it was just around just beginning of COVID. Um, I, I went to their offices in Marina del Rey and uh, we perhaps were discussing a, a collaboration to do together, um, more of a, a face forwarding role. And I was just, I had just retired from the sport and 
I wanted to take a little bit of, of a break from, from those particular roles. So it wasn't right at the time, but when I met with them, I had such an amazing feeling about who they are as people. They have, I believe, five children now, which is, they're running a multi-million dollar business. Um, they had to completely pivot during COVID because they they had a, what, what you say, a successful dressed men's shoe, um, which in COVID didn't exist while working from home and no one saw your feet <laughs> and you weren't work, walking through the streets of New York City. Um, and we reconnected and we, we kept in touch and, and just reconnected recently. And I'm now on their board. And it, it all started from a relationship with people that I connected with and a product that I felt had um, so much potential, especially since they haven't even hit the female market. Um, I was surprised, at, pleasantly surprised at how they pivoted during COVID um, and continued to to excel in their business. Um, so that, I, I don't know if that entirely answers the question, yeah. but something that's built on um, fearlessness, competitiveness, great, um, great values and, and a strong idea. Yeah. And I think the same would probably apply to your investment portfolio. Walk us through it. I know Supergoop is a big one. That was my, my original <laughs> investment, which became, became my, um, I guess a, a sample of, of what was to come. But I, after being an ambassador in the face of incredible brands that, that provided so much and, and, Items that I, I don't think I could have afforded <laughs> without having them on board and having to work with them, such as the Tag Heuer and, and Nike. And they gave me so much exposure to to another side of the world that I didn't know was possible in, in fashion and entrepreneurship. And after I felt like I was financially secure and, and able to invest money into brands myself where I didn't need an, an immediate guarantee, um, I started thinking of of the companies that I wanted to give my time to and and my my platform to, and one of those was Supergoop. I was a um, such a huge fan of the brand without knowing anything about the founder. It was the only SPF sunscreen that I that I wore while I was playing um, that didn't run into my eyes. Um, that just felt beautiful on my skin and. At the time, they had about 10 employees. This must have been eight to 10 years ago. And I met Holly Thaggard. We just, we, we talked endlessly. And I said, I want to be part of this journey. Um, and they just sold um, for many millions a couple uh, a couple years ago. I still have a sharehold in the business. But it's it was an example which taught me that you don't need, if you collaborate with people that you trust in and a product that you believe in, um, and you don't need an immediate um, return on your investment. If you're in it for the long haul, that good things will happen. And that was, that was a lesson that I, that I now carry into. Um, and look, they're not always home runs. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, when, when you think of entrepreneurs and, and the success stories for every success story, there's several, um, that didn't work out that, that you believed in, um, that you provided time and effort and, and financial assets to, and it just, it didn't perspire into what you, you'd hoped and imagined. And, and 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 that's okay because you you learn so much from those experiences, um, and at the end of the day, you don't have regrets because you you feel that you you gave everything to the founder and the company that you could, um, and you without having regrets, you have to let it go and move on. 
Yeah. What would you say to a a founder, a budding brand founder? Um, I'm sure you get pitched a lot. I know you've been on Shark Tank (laughs) Um, in terms of- That was a fun experience. That's so (laughs) cool. Super fun. Um, In terms of what your, um, I guess, what you've come to learn about founders who are successful or um, the type of brands, even the type of brands that you'd be interested in investing in now. Mm -hmm. Well, never forget your early days. Never forget um, all the tasks you had to do that weren't in your role. And I think that's that's extremely important as a founder. You wear so many different hats, but as you move up the ladder, um, obviously you can't take you can't be a hundred percent in everything you do. This idea of, of having a healthy balance, just whether it's life or your work, it, it doesn't exist. So you have to find what's right for you. But never forget the small tasks. You know the thank yous and please and. Um, never forget where you come from, your roots. It's so easy. Um, it's so easy to, to lose, to lose that, that perspective of being hungry. Um, when you're on the successful path, um, you know, you feel like just the, the, everything's at your fingertips. And I think what sometimes founders don't realize is it can change so quickly, so, so quickly. Um, just because this year was successful, just because you had a fantastic collaboration and it sold out within minutes, doesn't mean that the next collaboration will do the same. You know, there's a reason why that one did so well. So yeah, just always, you know, have that in the back of your mind. Raising five, 10, 20, $100 million doesn't mean you're successful. It means you're now, you hold this incredible responsibility to perform you know, to everyone and prove to everyone that's invested, which is um, a lot of pressure. It, it it comes with a heaviness. But I think uh, I see many entrepreneurs get so excited about a fundraise because they're they're They feel like they've just won. Um, but now you take that money and you have to do something with it. And that's the hardest part. Yes. Oh, my gosh. What are your brand founding <laughs> ambitions of, I know that, um, there's a sugar poba, um, a, out there. And in terms of fashion beauty, like you seem made for a fashion brand, to be honest, or at least oh, thank you. now that tennis wear is like so blowing up, my God, since the start of the pandemic, all of Gen Z, <laughs> the biggest yeah, thing. It's, it's interesting to see how tennis influences so many different brands and how you, you see, and I know it's a, sometimes it's sprinkled in and, and usually around the Grand Slams because it, it makes sense for brands. But as far as a culture and a connection to um, a lifestyle, um, I think it appeals to to so many different people because the sport is so strong. It's a it's athletic, it's individual, it's competitive. Um, it, it holds a mindset that's you know, rooted in performance um, and competitiveness. So, yeah, I, I love all the things that the sport brought and, and taught me um, and the access it's provided, particularly in fashion, which is super fun. Yeah, for sure. Well, you, you're you a newer mom. How are you splitting your time these days? Um, a day in the life, like, what have you got going? <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I... I love um, waking up and and knowing that you know in in the hall down the hall is is my little. Um, I mean, I keep thinking he's still little, but it's almost eight months. And I'm like, you're not so little anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but that I'll be going in his room and you know waking him up, and we're starting the day together. I find like that is. Um, I know it just roots me. There's something so special, and until you, you're 
you're in it. You don't, you know, when I was younger, I always had a, um, this ambition to be a mother. I have a very, my, my mom is extraordinary and we have a very, very kind and respectful, um, relationship and I'm an only child and we moved to the United States when I was very young. So we're, we're very strong and tight and we have a great bond. And I always imagined whether I had a, a girl or a boy that I would, I would hope to carry that with them. So, but you never really know until you have, you know, you don't know that feeling until you, you really have your own child. And it's still so hard to describe, but it's almost like there's another piece of your heart that's like out of your body. <laughs> I love that. So it's it's just nice to be like starting your day and finishing your day, and not not every day of the week. Because we you know we all we all have plans and, and and business. You never know where where it takes you and what what travels you have to commit to. Um, but I feel like it's it's healthy, and and I as long as I set my priorities right, um, it feels good. And it's, there's, there's definitely guilt about leaving and it, there's, there's an extra thought on, am I really leaving for the right reason? Um, which is actually incredibly important. I, I didn't, I didn't know that I was missing that in my life, like to really reflect on, um, where I was going, what plane I was getting on. Is it, is there value in that? Because there's something really important at home. Right on. Gosh, do you have a network of um, fellow, I guess, female founders, female businesswomen that maybe you bounce ideas off of or um, a go-to community? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, every brand that I that I work with and, and founders that I um, that I associate with are people I I want to be able to send a message to at at seven, you know, or 8 PM. And if I have an idea or I have a thought, um, whether it's around their business or my business or something completely different, um, I want to be able to have that, that personal relationship with them. I think that's incredibly important. That's why I want to work with people that I align with. And as I said, I want to have dinner with them. And, you know, I, I don't have so many people coming to my home, but the people that, that do, I feel like are really rooted in, in the same outlook on life and values in life. And are, of course, they're, they're ambitious. I mean, I was an athlete for over, you know, 12, 25 <laughs> years of my life. So there's definitely a very competitive spirit. And, and I like to, um, I like to align myself with people that, that want to win and winning is not, in my opinion, destination. It's, it's a, it's a process. It's, you know, we all, we, we always think about what's going to happen when, you know, if our business is successful and we receive that big check in, in our bank account. And, but that's not the moment that we usually look back to, um, when we do reach that type of success, it's usually the moments that, in which you had to figure things out and who the people were during those particular moments in your life. So, so I, I believe in that journey and then people, you know, it's, it's very special to have founders that have, that share similar goals um, with you. Nice. It's really refreshing. Like you wouldn't, I don't know if you would think that it's so surprising, but I don't know if anybody on this podcast as a founder or a business leader just said like, I want to win like that. That's, 
I'm like, obviously, but I, it's nice to hear. <laughs> like that's that's what we're all going for here. It just it sounds oh, yeah, more no, direct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really like it. Sometimes well, I, I asked many founders, I was like, what what do you prefer? Do you do you just hate to lose or do you prefer the feeling of winning? And everyone has a different answer. <laughs> oh my gosh. But you pre- you prefer the feeling. <laughs> I definitely prefer the feeling. But but also I think that the feeling of just that dislike for losing, you know, and what it, how deep it, 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 it hits you when you don't succeed or, or doesn't um, go through the way you imagined is sometimes very, um, it, it changes something in your mindset and it propels you to, to be smarter about your next choices, which I think is also very valuable. Yeah. Well, you've kind of alluded to that when you were talking about like where you, what's worthy of your time, what's worthy of your effort. Um, When it comes to, for instance, working with brands, are all of your kind of partnerships, are they longer term like ambassadorships? Will you work with the brand maybe on a one-off post considering your influence or what's your take on that? I think there there have been additional revenue streams for for talent and in the past several years, I think it started through slowly trickled into social media. Um, it's now very strong in web three, you know, it had a very strong moment within the NFT space. And I think as long as it all aligns together and it makes sense and, and making sense uh, is a different um, meaning for, for every types of talent and industry that you're in, but as long as it runs through a very similar ecosystem and shares a similar goal, um, that's not just about making money, then I don't see why you wouldn't tap into it. Yeah. Um, so, and, and, and also by exposing yourself to these d- different streams, um, of opportunities, you also learn about what, what you actually enjoy doing. You know, I, I did a little, um, social media campaign um, after giving birth with a um, a baby formula company by heart and it, it was this really sweet video um, with with little my baby Theodore and like his hand and and I, I kind of put it together on my own and it was like I, I look back at it now and I was like oh I usually would like never do that and you don't you don't really see him in the in the video um, you just see his little hand but no, there's like a part of me that really enjoyed those moments. And I was bringing um, attention to um, a, a problem that many women were facing at the time when there was a formula shortage. Um, and I know it, it felt really natural and real and part of my life. And I look back at it and I was like, that, that was great. It wasn't something huge and it wasn't like a longstanding relationship, but I really enjoyed being part of it. For sure. Are a lot of your followers and fans, people who maybe have followed you um, throughout your career or, you know, fellow moms? I'm sure there's a mix, but is there a theme throughout? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was so fortunate to have some of the best fans around the world. And some of them, I feel like, grew up with me and have seen me go through this as a young teenager um, that just was competitive and just played tennis. And then became older and more experienced and wiser and kind of, I don't know, I'd say opened up her her world and her heart because I was very enclosed when I was young. I, I gained success. I, I won Wimbledon at only 17 years old. And so I had a lot thrown at me 
at a very young age. And, and the way that I handled it was I just went into my own little world. Um, and I, it, at the time it felt right. I think for maybe from an external perspective, it was very isolated. Um, but it was, it was my way to, to keep focused on, on what I wanted to achieve because winning one grand slam wasn't enough. I, wanted, <laughs> I was competitive and I wanted to win more. And so I feel like my fans got a chance to see, um, me evolve from being that, you know, teenager to a woman and now a mother. And I think that's the beauty of, of having control of your social media and sharing what you, what you want with them. But I definitely, um, I don't think I, I really understood the value of, of a fan. I'm not even using plural because I think just just the feeling of having a fan that supports you no matter what time you're playing, no matter what's going on in your life, the, the ups and downs is um, just incredibly special. That's awesome, I'm sure. For younger athletes now, um, I'm sure, you know, I feel like, tell me if I'm wrong, maybe rules have changed about brand deals and all of that. Like, um, we see a lot of new collaborations. Liz on my team is writing a story now about male athletes becoming makeup influencers <laughs> anyway, which is so interesting. But yeah, a lot of deals out there. Like any advice you would give in terms of like, I don't know, what to take, where where, where to dodge, um, what's maybe dangerous territory or what you would recommend? Hmm. There's a few considerations. Uh, obviously, when when you're young and you, let's begin with sport is very expensive. No matter what sport you play, tennis is the amount of of money that you and your family um, or agents, agencies have to invest before they see any return on that investment is humongous. Thousands of like hundreds of thousands of dollars. So when you reach a a certain point when a a brand uh, offers you a a big paycheck, um, it's, it's very, very hard to say no. Um, and it takes all the strength in the, in the world and, and very smart and knowledgeable people to, to help guide you, um, to help you understand, especially when you're young, because you don't, it, it, it's hard to have a, a real grip on the business, to understand what people really want from you, um, how authentic it is. So I'd say listen to the people that you're close with. Um, particularly when you're young, you have to rely on them. You have to surround yourself with strong people that are looking after you, not trying to make money from you. And I know that's much easier, um, you know, said than done, but that is so important. And one of the reasons I, I was able to, to save money, right. And, and to, to feel like I could make smart investments in the future is I had someone that really protected me, um, also, it's about aligning your interests. If it's fashion that you're interested, if it's technology that you're interested, if it's a um, particular value or people that you just find are interesting and that you'll want to work with for many years, I mean, that's what you go for. So there's a, there's a lot to consider. And I'd say relationships that maybe start as smaller deals um, but have very strong foundation that will put in marketing dollars to elevate you as a as a human, as an athlete, as a brand, um, might be worth more than taking a big paycheck from a company that doesn't have a lot of marketing um, spend. So it depends what stage you are in in that you know on that graph. But be smart with people you align with, and um, and and choose partners that will 
you know, further help elevate your, who you are. Right on. I just recently started following your Instagram, which where have I been? It's fabulous. But yeah, are you on TikTok too? I'm not. Um, and I think that was just the conscious choice. And, and I don't know if it's the correct one. <laughs> and I think if you speak to any single brand um, and they ask you, are you on TikTok? And I say, no, they, they say, oh, you should be. Um, and it just, it because I do all of my social media, um, it I honestly don't have the time for it. And, and I love... Um, I'm creative. And when I am creative, I like to spend time on something and not just throw it out into the world because it needs to be there at 9am at a certain hour, because that's when the algorithm <laughs> pushes your, <laughs> pushes your message and photograph. And I, it's just not really the way that I, <laughs> that I function, whether that's good or bad. It's just the way it is. So I, I haven't had time, um, for TikTok, perhaps in the future, just, it, it will, it will remain there. Yes. I was going to say during the pandemic, did that, did your, I guess, I, social media efforts change? Maybe you were doing more lives and getting on there more, but you were also a new mom. <laughs> so maybe not. Yeah, I, I did. I actually did a few really interesting um, interviews. Um, I did an interview with Adam Grant on Instagram live, um, who, who I'm a huge fan of, who's so insightful and just interesting and as a wonderful connector networker of people he just gathers the best people so it's really fun getting his advice I had an interview with Marina Abramovich who is an extraordinary artist um, who is a dear friend and I just oh I, I love how unique and real and honest she is so it, it was really fun um, because we had you know more time on our hands uh, than before it was actually before I, I became a mom so so yeah I I, I did I did uh, do a few of those. Amazing. Well, gosh, what are your business ambitions for the year? Where do we start? Um, continue to continue to align um, with brands that have that that hold incredibly strong foundations. Um, this is a, a it's a tough time for for many people um, that are entrepreneurs, and I. I almost feel like it's the best time to invest your time and, and finances into, into the stage in, in, in a company is when no one is really taking chances on people is, is ultimately where I'd like to step in um, and see opportunity. And yeah, and, and continue to grow as, as a person and as a mom and, you know, travel a little bit, um, continue with my board and advisory role. So there's a, a few few things going on, which is really fun. Are we going to see you in Milan or Paris? <laughs> Fashion Week stuff. No, no, just because I was just in London. I, I don't think I can do another <laughs> quick trip to Europe, as fun as that sounds. It was such a fashion moment. Check it out. There was a dress that was like a trench, but it was sexy. Anyway. <laughs> yes. It was really good. Oh my God. Thank you. Well, Maria, thank you so much for being here. It was so, so fun. And yeah. We'll be watching your next investments and such. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. I had a great time. That's all for this episode. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. If you liked this episode, be sure to share it with someone else you think would. Thanks for listening to the Glossy Podcast.